Uh, I want to talk to you today as we look at this series hooking up about I have my rights. And I want to say this series is going to be for everybody. So whether you're single, be here uh, because you're going to learn a lot. And one day you will be married and uh, for many of you. And you're going to learn some great principles and things. We're going to actually have a message or so for just for singles and encourage you. And all of our married folks, man, there's room for all of us to grow. Whether you're newly married or maybe you're a veteran and you've been married 30, 40, 50, 60 years, there's still room for all of us to grow. So excited about God stretching us and enhancing our relationships uh, throughout this series. And I want to thank some of my pastor friends that, that I know are, that ministered to me, uh, Pastor Robert Morris and uh, Chris Hodges. Uh, gleaned from some of their material that they've shared on relationships has helped me immensely for this series. And a book that I've been reading called Real Marriage by Mark Driscoll. Encourage that. Very, very good book. Uh, that's spoken to my life and my marriage and helped me and resourced me uh, for this series. How many of you are like me when you get ready to sign a contract? You want to know all the details before you sign. Anybody like me, man, I'm, I'm crazy. I want to know the details. I, I, I asking questions. Matter of fact, my, when my wife and I bought our first home in, in Missouri, man, we, I, I asked questions. You know, I was a newbie to buying a home. I didn't understand it all. And at the closing, I know the lady at the title company probably thought I was crazy. But I, now, what do you mean? Let me read it. You know, I want to read everything. To her, it was standard language. To me, it was brand new language. And, and I wanted to know my rights because, listen, when we enter into a contract, we do that so that we can protect our rights and limit our responsibilities. I, I want to know before I sign a contract, how much will it cost me? Do I have to put down earnest money? And how much earnest money do I have to put down? I, I want to know how can I lose my earnest money? I want to know, can, can I end up getting my earnest money back? I, I want to know, can I get out of this? Is there any way once I sign my name that I can get out of this contract. I, I want to know uh, if you break the contract, if you violate the contract, what kind of consequences will, will you suffer? How long's the warranty? If it's a car, is it bumper to bumper? Does it cover everything in the house? I, I want to know. I want to know my rights. And contracts are so great because they protect our rights and limit our responsibilities. They work great in a business transaction, but they work horrible in a marriage. And friends, most people enter marriage with a contract mentality instead of a covenant mentality. You see, in a contract marriage, people get married and they protect their rights and they limit their responsibilities. But in a covenant marriage, it's the exact opposite. People lay down their rights and they pick up their responsibilities. And friends, the contract mentality is destroying marriages. You cannot, I repeat, you cannot have a thriving, God-honoring marriage with a contract mentality where you limit your responsibilities or, or protect your rights and limit your responsibilities. It just will not work. And I know what some of you are thinking, especially here in, in America, if you're watching online, that this may not connect with you as well. But man, for Americans, we, we want to, we, we like to say this. I have my rights. I have my rights. I don't even like how this message is going. This preacher needs to know, I have my rights. I'm my own person. I'm my own individual. I have my rights. And I want you to know, no, you don't. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you gave up your rights. 
If you want your rights back, go die on your own cross and get up on the third day. But until you do that, you don't have your rights. Jesus Christ became your Lord. He became your Savior. You don't tell Jesus what you want to do. You don't tell Jesus, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I got my own rights. And if that's how you handle your relationship with God, you may be surprised when you step into eternity. Because we follow Jesus. He's our boss. He's our Lord. He calls the shots. We don't have our rights. The right we have is to follow him. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 and verse number 23, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. He or she, if you want to follow Jesus, you must lay down your rights, lay down your wishes, lay down your own desire, lay down, lay, deny yourself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Pick up your responsibilities of, of following Jesus and being, a, a, being a, a follower of Christ. You see, in a contract marriage, people lay down the cross instead of picking up the cross. I have my rights. I'm in this marriage as long as you give me what I want. You better make me happy or else I have my rights. If you don't do what I like, if you don't do what I want, baby, I'm out of here. I have my rights. And friends, thriving, God-honoring marriages, they don't operate with a contract mentality. They operate with a covenant mentality. Well, you lay down your rights and you pick up your responsibilities. And what I want to do today is we lay a foundation, a foundation for this series that's going to have a great impact on our hearts and our minds and our lives and our relationships. What I want to do is give you three rights that you have to lay down to have a thriving marriage. Three rights you have to lay down. Singles, once again, tune in, dial in, whether you're 16, 20, 21, 30, 50, single. If you're, listen, many of you one day are going to get married. And what I want to do for our singles is I want to set you up for success for, for, for your future marriage. I, I don't want you to enter into marriage into holy matrimony with destructive thinking and behavior. So three rights you have to lay down to have a thriving marriage. Number one is this, lay down the right of priorities, the right of priorities. I want us to go back to the very first marriage when God instituted marriage in the earth. And I want us to glean some principles from this very first marriage about laying down our rights, the right of priority. We're going to pick up reading in Genesis chapter 2. If you have your Bible with you, just, just keep it open to Genesis chapter 2. Picking up in verse 21, it says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. God had created Adam. Woman had not yet been created. Here, here is Adam. He's alive. He's naming all the animals and he's by himself. It says while he was sleeping, he took, God took one of the man's ribs closed up. Everybody shout closed up. Now this is so important. He closed up. He took one of the, one of the man's ribs and, and he closed up the, fle the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought back, brought her, brought her to the man. Now what I want you to notice is that God did not form Eve the same way he formed Adam or man. God made man from the dirt and he took Eve out of his side. Maybe that's why a woman's a whole lot prettier than man because she didn't come from the dirt. Amen. Just, just maybe. I knew I'd get a few clapping there. Amen. I go ahead and clap ladies. But, but I want you to notice that 
God didn't form Eve out of the dust of the ground. He took Eve out of Adam's side. And it's very interesting that the Hebrew word, if you go back and you look in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for covenant simply means this, to cut, to cut. You see, God cut Adam and took Eve out of his side because God wanted marriage to be a covenant, not a contract. God didn't form Eve out of the dust and Adam out of the dust and say, now you get to hook up as, as a contract. He says, no, I want covenant. So he cut Adam's side and created Eve out of his side because God wanted marriage to be a covenant. And it's very interesting that 4,000 years later that Jesus, as he hung on the cross of Calvary, his side was cut and he bled because God did not want a relationship with us out of contract. God wanted a relationship with us out of covenant. So Jesus was cut. He was cut. I also want you to notice that marriage was established before sin came into the world in Genesis chapter 3. See, God's perfect plan for marriage was for marriage to be a covenant, not a contract. Let's continue to read here in this story about, uh, about marriage. It goes on to say in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 23, the first marriage, it says, The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. He cut covenant. She was taken out. Covenant was established. Verse 24, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Now, friends, God did not tell Adam and Eve to leave their father and mother so their marriage could be enhanced and they could get over their in-law problems. No, 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 that's not why. Because Adam and Eve didn't know what an in-law was. Adam and Eve didn't know what a father and mother was. They were the first human beings that were created. You see, God was explaining to them. God was explaining to future generations what a covenant marriage looks like. In a covenant marriage, we lay down our right of priorities. We lay down the right of having any other person, any other thing ahead of our spouse except for our relationship with God. You see, what God is simply saying is that our spouse is our top earthly priority. Our spouse is number one behind God. And you know what God does here? God gives us the ultimate illustration of this. And he says, hey, 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 I realize, I realize for most of you, the most important relationship is with your parents. And you grow up and they change your diaper. They feed you. They clothe you. You love your mama. You love your daddy. They bought you your first car. They, they helped you go to college. They, they, you, you love your mom and your dad. And that's your top relationship for, for most people. And, and God says this. No, no, no. When you get married, that's no longer your number one priority. You leave father and mother and you be united together with your wife, with your spouse. That is now your number one priority. Your spouse should come before every person, every hobby. Every job, every sport, every activity. You see, in a contract marriage, the couple, you know what they don't do? They don't put one another as, a, as the top priority. They operate with this mentality. I got my rights. I'll come up with my own priorities. And since I got my rights, my top priority is going to be my friends. And it's amazing how many fellas, they get married, but they just want to hang out with the boys. How many ladies get married and just want to hang out with the, with the ladies? And it, what's amusing to me is that before people get married, while they're dating, they got to spend all this time together. Hours on the phone, don't have nothing to say, just quiet breathing. Oh, I just 
I don't want to hang up. I don't want to hang up. I don't want to hang up. And every waking moment, they try to spend together, hanging out, getting to know one another. Then they get married. No, I don't have time. I want to go golfing. I want to go shopping with the girls. But no, no, nothing comes before your spouse. Some t- for some people, it's a career. And they put their career ahead of their spouse. Man, they, they, they get married, and, and now, man, the career is the number one thing, the number one priority in, in their life. And it's all work, 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 work. And please hear me. I believe in work. Six days, man, should work. And then one day for, for the Sabbath. I believe in work. I'm not, I'm not up here preaching laziness. Well, baby, I'm just going to stay home because you're my priority. Now, go to work, boy. Go to work. Every week I put in 45, 50, 60 hours of, of work. It's got, it takes work. You got you to work, but work should not come before your spouse. For some people, it's family. It's, you know, you, you find people that put their family ahead of their spouse. They'll, they'll say something like this. Well, yeah, I'm, you know, my top priority is with my brother, my, my brother, my, my sister, my siblings, you know, with my parents, you know, because we're flesh and blood. We're blood. That, she, she's not my blood. He's not my, they're my blood. No, you, you got it all wrong. You got it all. You, you got a contract marriage, covenant marriage is your spouse becomes your top priority. For some people, it's the pursuit of money. It's the pursuit of possessions. And they get so focused on trying to upgrade, on trying to get this, on trying to upgrade their lifestyle, that they put possessions, they put stuff ahead of their spouse. And, and, and God said, no, 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 your top priority is your spouse. You leave father and mother. I want to ta- use the ultimate example. Leave mommy and daddy, and your spouse becomes your top priority. And then there are married couples who, with their mouth, they say their spouse is their priority. But in actuality, that's not the case. Perhaps that's some of you today, yet you would say, my spouse is my top priority, but really in the way that you live, that's just not the case. You know how to find out if your spouse is your top priority? Ask them. Come on, when you get in the car after church today, I know it's going to be quiet. <laughs> Who's going to ask first? Let's see here. Am I your top priority? Just ask them. Because you know what most people do? Most people say that with their mouth because they, they talk a good game. But can I tell you, your spouse does not want to hear that they're your top priority. They want to feel that they're your top priority. And there's a difference between hearing it and talking it and your spouse feeling it. And my wife and I, we, we work extremely hard to make each other our top priority behind our relationship with God. I don't want Tiffany just to hear that she's my top priority. I want her to feel that she's my top priority. I want her to feel it with my time. I want her to feel it. I don't want her just to hear, baby, you're my top. I want her to feel it with my time. And, and so mo- most evenings, especially during, during the weekdays, we, we sit around the dinner table and we eat. And, and usually our kids, because they have a short attention span, been little kids, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, they're gone from the dinner table. And most evenings, Tiffany and I sit around the dinner table and we just talk. 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour, just talk about whatever. Because I want Tiffany to feel that she, she's a top priority. I leave my cell phone on the counter while we talk. Because I want her to know my attention's focused on you. You're my top priority. I'm not checking emails and going while she's talking. Mm-hmm, baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, good. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I want her to know you're my top priority. I want her to know I, we go on a date once a week and, and invest in one another. And when I go on a date with my wife, I leave my cell phone at home. I know some of you can't believe that. What? Two hours away from your cell phone? How do you make it? Just fine. Just fine. 
I just leave it at home because I know I know I got I, I'm, I'm, I got attention deficit disorder. So I know me. If I have that cell phone with me. I'm checking. I'm returning texts. I'm messing. I, so I just know, babe, I want you to I want you to feel it. I want you to feel it. I'm driven. I work. I'm driven by the work that I do. I love what I do. But my cell phone stays home. This is our night together. I want you to feel that you're my top. When it comes to money, I want my wife to feel that she's my top priority. Buy her flowers, you know, two or three, four times a year. and Take her on a date and invest in her. Two or three times a year, we go on an overnight trip without the kids. You know, I could say, now, baby, you know, you know we, can't, we can't do that now. Maybe if things are tight, God bless you. You know, I'm, I'm going golfing, though. I'm going golfing, but I can't. Sorry, you know. It is what it is. No. This is my bride. This, that, that's my husband. Top, I want you to feel it with our finance. I want you to feel that you're my top priority. Can I tell you, a, a, a covenant marriage is we lay down our right to priorities. And our priority, our top priority behind our relationship with God is our spouse. Hey, when you get married, you leave father and mother and be united with your spouse. Number two is this. There's a second. There's a second thing we lay down. A second thing we lay down. And that is this. The right of possessions. The right of possessions. Check this out in Genesis 2 and verse 23. Excuse me, 23. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two and, and, and they will become one flesh. Everybody shout one flesh. I want you to catch this. In a covenant marriage, two people become one flesh. But in a contract marriage, two people remain two flesh. They never work to become one flesh. They, they, they enter marriage as a contract and the two remain two. The two remain two. I have my rights. I have my rights, and I'm telling you, my money is my money. It's my money, that's your money. And on a good day, my money is my money, and your money is my money. I mean, that's just how it works. I have, my, I have my rights. This is my checking account. That's your checking account. The two going to remain two. I have my checking account, you have your checking account. These are my kids. Those are your kids. I mean, they're not my kids. You had them kids before I met you. Them are not my kids. Them are your kids. Them are your kids. These are my kids. These are our kids. This is, how, this is my contract, baby. It's contract. This is my church. You go to your own church. It's my church. That's crazy. I see people do that. You're crazy. Pastor, you offended me. I don't care. That's crazy. That's my church. This is your church. No. no. This is my house. I had this house before I met you. This is my house. My bed, my stuff. You just living here. It's contract, baby. It's about contract. But you see, in a covenant marriage, two people work to become one flesh. We lay down our rights and pick up our responsibilities. You see, covenant marriages replace the word mine with ours. It's no longer mine, it's ours. When you get married, if you're going to operate with a covenant mentality, it's our house. It's our money. It's, it's our car, our cars. It's our retirement. It's our kids. Yeah, those kids you brought before we got, those are our. 
kids. It's our church. It's our problem, not your problems. Those are your problems. No, those are our problems. Why? Why? Because two become one. Let me tell you, people's church, those watching online, selfish people cannot have a thriving, God-honoring marriage. It just won't work. I have my rights. My, 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 my. Mine, 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 mine. Me, 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 me. It won't work. That's a recipe for disaster in a marriage relationship. Friends, when you get married, you and your spouse become co-owners. Everybody shout co-owners. When you get married, you and your spouse become co-owners of everything, including each other. Everything, including each other. What? I can hear what some of you are thinking. He don't own me. <laughs> what? She don't own me. I'm my own man. She don't own me. That's not what your Bible says. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 4, the wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. I know some of you men are going to go home and put this verse on your refrigerator. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, could you, would you about to get me a glass of water? Your body is my body. <laughs> Goes on to say, in the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. And I know the men nudge your wife and say, my body is your body. And you can have my body. I just want you to know. <laughs> And she says, great, I'm glad I get your body. When we get home, would you please pick up those boxes out of the living room and put them in the attic? They've been there a month. I'm glad I got your body. Since I got your body, would you get the mop when we get home and help me mop the floors, boy? Your body is my body. Go ahead and teach the word, Pastor. Teach the word. When you get married... I'm talking about covenant. I know the world operates by contract. I know most marriages in the world operate by contract. I'm talking to you about how to have a thriving, God-honoring marriage. You lay down your right of possessions, and the two don't remain two. The two become one. Number three is this. A third thing that we lay down is the right of privacy. The right of privacy. I want you to see this in the first marriage in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25. The scripture says, the man and his wife were both naked, nothing hidden, and they felt no shame. I just have to be honest. I'm not grateful that the fall of man happened, that Adam and Eve ate from the tree they were not supposed to eat from. But one benefit is I'm glad I don't have to see y'all naked. Amen. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just, just saying. But, but, but I want you to see God's perfect plan for marriage was for married couples that they would be naked, that nothing would be hidden, there'd be no private or secret areas, and they'd have no shame. See, God's plan was for married couples to have unhindered access to each other's lives, every part of each other's lives. And I want you to see what happened when sin entered into the equation, when sin came into the world. 
Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree that God told them not to eat from. It says, then their eyes, the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. They realized everything's out in the open. They realized, I don't, I don't have any secrets, it's all out there. They, they, they realize uh, there's nothing hidden from you. I don't have any private secret areas. They, the, their eyes were open and they realized they, they were naked. There were no secrets. So, so, they, so I want you to see how this began to work. So, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. As soon as sin entered into the world, a contract mentality slipped into their marriage and they began to hide from one another. They begin to hide from one another. They begin to hide from, from God. And friends, this problem has been a major issue for marriages ever since. This contract mentality where people are hiding from one another. I'm hiding. I got my own areas, my private life, my, my secret life. I, I'm covering up with fig. I know we're married, but I've got fig leaves we got a contract i've got my right to privacy no you can't have my email password how dare you ask i got my rights what do you mean you want to use my computer i got a password on this password protected and you can't get the password what do you mean you like to peruse and go through my facebook account do i dare you try to get on my you can't have my facebook password if you lost your mind you can't you're good on my twitter or twitter account you've lost your mind i've got my rights what do you mean who am i talking to one of my friends that's all you need to know telling you who i'm talking to i got my rights asking me where i'm going none of you i'm a grown man you ain't my mama don't be asking me where i'm going i'm a grown woman asking me where i'm going I'm going wherever I want to go. Don't ask me when I'm getting back. You'll know when I get back because you'll see me. You'll see me. I got my rights. I'm grown asking me where I'm going when I'm getting back. Contract, contract, contract. But in a covenant marriage, we lay down our rights to privacy and we pick up the responsibility of giving our spouse complete access into every area of our life that's covenant that we're naked and we have no shame and granted that's not easy when my wife and I first got married we didn't try to have a contract mentality because of my own issues things of my own past I didn't want to lay everything in the open but can I tell you that as the months went by and those first few years went by, I knew what the scripture said. And I wanted to have a thriving God-honoring marriage with my wife. And little by little, I just unfolded, opened up. My wife has laid everything bare on the table with me. And it's a beautiful thing. It's very vulnerable that my wife knows everything about me. She knows my hopes and my dreams. She knows my fears. She knows my struggles. She knows my temptations. She knows my weaknesses. She still loves me. I know everything about Tiffany. She has all my passwords. 
She can get on my Facebook now, my Twitter. She can do, she had my email. She just, it's, I can get on hers. It's, it's covenant. There's no secret hidden areas. It's all laid before you. Grab my cell phone anytime you want. There's no, it's not locked. If it's ever locked, it's because those kids and you put the password on there. It's, it's covenant. It's covenant. Can I tell you, it's a beautiful thing when your marriage operates with covenant, not contract. I'm telling you this. Your marriage can be a little heaven on earth. It's wonderful. I don't have a perfect marriage, but I got a good marriage. And I got a healthy marriage. And I got a thriving marriage. But can I tell you, it's not because I'm picking up my rights. It's because on a daily basis, I pick up my cross and I die to myself. And I give up my rights. And I pick up my responsibilities. Say, God, I want my marriage to honor you and thrive. And you say, Pastor, what do I do? I'm, I'm married and we've been operating with the spirit of contract. Our marriage is all about contract. I have my rights. I, I have my rights. I, I have my rights. What, what, do, what do you do, Pastor? We've been like this the last 10 years. Not working that well. What do you do? Well, I'll tell you what God did. When humanity was operating under contract. And we were struggling as humanity to obey the Ten Commandments. And we were sacrificing goats and bulls and rams year after year, year after year. And contract wasn't working. We couldn't obey the law. The rams and the goats and the bulls were not washing away our sins for eternity. We were struggling. And God saw our struggle. God saw that contract isn't working. And so God sent his only son into this world. He sent covenant into the world. And Jesus was cut. He was bruised. He was he bled so that we could enter a covenant relationship with God instead of a contract relationship with God. And when covenant came, everything changed. And we have a wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ because of covenant. And can I tell you what you need to do is you need to let contract spirit get out of your marriage and let covenant begin to invade your mind, your thinking, your actions. Let covenant begin to invade because grace is always more powerful than law. Covenant is always more powerful than contract. I want your marriage, your future marriage. I may be talking to a 16 year old right now. I want this to download into your heart, into your mind. Covenant. Not contract. I may be talking to somebody who's been married 30 years, but it's been contract. Would you let covenant begin to invade your marriage and just watch what the Lord does?